Hello, everyone, and welcome to the summer edition of Toronto Rock Total Access. You asked for it, so you're going to get it here tonight. We're going to update you on what's been going on over the last few weeks with regards to the Toronto Rock, of course, but also the National Lacrosse League, some summer lacrosse going on, and more. In studio with us, we are going to have... Jamie Dowick, the president, owner, and general manager of the team. As well, we'll also have the head coach of the Toronto Rock, Matt Sawyer, who, of course, in recent weeks signed a contract extension. So we'll uh, we'll talk about all those things with both of those individuals here at some point in the show. But right now, I will welcome in my regular co-host, Kyle Davis. KD, how are you doing? Good, good. Excited to be back here. It's uh, I was just saying, it seems a little foreign right now, but uh, <laughs> you know, I'm sure we'll pick her up. So what have you been up to the last few weeks? What's been on your mind? On my mind, well, just tracking the summer ball. You know, we're quite contently looking at the Junior A circuit. That's right, yes. Here within the office. <laughs> uh, obviously, the Junior B playoffs, you know, a bit of major. Um, other than that, just uh, we had a big ticket push going on there. For the lock-in at the 2017 prices, so that went well. And uh, just keeping busy with that. And now we're plugging through summer here. Yeah, and while, of course, things have cooled down on the NLL calendar you can't say the same for things like minor lacrosse like you mentioned junior A and junior B and major series lacrosse as we record the podcast today we are uh, just hours away from a massive matchup in major series lacrosse the Coburg Kodiaks and the uh, and the Oakville Rock here at the track tonight eight o'clock is the game time a few hours away as we're recording as I mentioned and um you know, we'll we'll dive into this a little bit more with Matty Sawyer, who also doubles, of course, as the head coach of the Oakville Rock, and I'm sure he'll have some comments on last week's loss to the Coburg Kodiaks, who reeled off a couple of wins after being over on the season, which I think caught everybody by surprise. Yeah, for sure. I was, uh, I think I texted you the, the, right away when I saw they uh, went down to Peterborough <laughs> and stunned the lacrosse world there. But uh, you know, Kevin Croswell back in the net, and by all indications, he's been playing real well and giving them a chance and you know they kind of played themselves it'll be tough but you know into in a conversation at least yeah they've got uh oakville has a couple of games in hand on coburg and coburg would have to uh like you said shock the lacrosse world again as they've still got uh, the lakers and six nations on their schedule so a tough schedule but again you, d- you just never know right and that's why you play the games and we'll see what happens uh you know, as you're listening to this out there in the uh, podcast universe, you'll already know the score of the game, but um, definitely one that we're all looking forward to here tonight. So let's dive into things. The National Lacrosse League Awards have been given out uh, over the last few weeks, and it's uh, it's one of those things where, you know, afterwards everybody asks, you know, who voted, who voted. So it's a one coach being the head coach, the general manager, and a team executive and in some cases like rochester toronto um the executive and the general manager are the same person so they would get their vote would count as two all right so looking at uh the awards we'll we'll run through these we're not going to dive into each and every one of them uh but there are some that i think uh weren't some discussion as to uh where things are at so in terms of the uh the teammate of the year Mike Poulin of the Georgia Swarm wins that. The Sportsmanship Award, Jordan Hall uh, of the Georgia Swarm wins that. And we'll get to the Defensive Player of the Year, also a Georgia Swarm winner, in uh, Jason Noble. And you have to wonder with the three guys who ended up being the the finalists for this award, Jason Noble, Graham Hossack, and Steve Priolo. Um, maybe not Priolo so much, but obviously Noble and Hossack. Kind of a changing of the guard here, maybe? in the eyes of those people that uh, have their eyes maybe closest on this game? Yeah, for sure. I'd say so. Um, you know, typically for the last couple of years, at least you could pencil in Corbiel Rubish into the, like it was a lock um, not to see their name on there. Even Dilks was, you know, I think won it last yeah. year. Um, not to see their names there was, I mean, it caught me off guard a little bit, but uh, I, yeah, I, I guess you could say a changing of the guard and, and, uh, but to me, with no disrespect to Jason Noble at all, I think if it was still a one game, like and I, I need match up with a, a top offensive guy, I don't know. I still think I'm taking some of those other names over Jason, if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but I guess overall, the the full body of work that he, he you know he put together this year, it obviously got the votes, uh, and good for him. But uh, yeah, I agree, changing of the guard for sure. And Jason Noble is a guy, in, in my personal opinion, I've kind of grown to appreciate a little bit more with him 
playing for the Oakville Rock in the summer and getting to watch him a little bit more closely. Coming out of junior, um, uh, a lot of hype, obviously. He was a top-end defender coming out of junior A, playing for the Orangeville Northmen. But, you know, I, I didn't know if he, if that was going to translate at the pro level and at, and at the major level, and I think that has now. Um, for him to get this kind of respect right now, I think is huge. And I think it is kind of a good thing for the league too. Like, you know, it, it was kind of getting, like you say, you know, you're penciling the same names in and it was almost becoming too predictable, too easy. I think almost in a, in a strange way, but I like that, you know, the, the general managers and head coaches were finding somebody different here. Right. And not just penciling it in and, and mailing it in, so to speak, and saying that, you know, these guys, they're recognizing guys that maybe did have legitimately outstanding seasons this year. And, these finalists, I don't think, take anything away from Rubish or Corbeil or or whoever. They're probably still, they probably still are in that step above guys like Noble and Hossack. But these are two guys that this year had phenomenal seasons, and you almost look at it too as a most valuable defender as well. And you look at the success that the Georgia Swarm had this year, and how maybe that's more of a most valuable defensive player rather than we say the defensive player of the year, I guess maybe that, that's how I kind of look at it as, you know, you have a team that ended up at the top of the heap this year. Well, who was their best defender? What was the biggest reason? And maybe that's why you get into a Jason Noble there. For sure. And, and even dating back to the regular season games in Toronto, the playoffs, I, I thought he was great to be honest. I like tenacious defender. I, I noticed he was out on people like right away. No, no one got time or space. Um, with him around, he's quick and can push the ball too. He's got a mean streak. Like yeah. he's a little guy. I shouldn't say a little guy, but he is a smaller defender. But like you say, he's quick. He does get out fast, but he does have quite an edge to his game. For sure, hacking, whacking, uh, making it hard for for guys to to get to the dirty areas. And uh, yeah, I thought I thought he was great. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. So moving right along, transition player of the year. This is uh, the first award that comes in-house to the Toronto Rock, Brody Merrill, a perennial favorite for this award that I always have a lot of trouble with the Transition Player of the Year award because I think the definition of it just is is all over the place, I think, in people's minds. And I, I mean, personally, although congratulations to Brody, personally, I think it's an award that should be wiped off the map. I don't like it. I don't like players being designated as transition guys and and whatever, but I've talked about that previously. So, uh, congratulations go out to Brody, the runners up there, Jay Thornbert and Jordan McIntosh. McIntosh, also a perennial favorite. Uh, Brody Merrill, I believe, the first uh, three-time winner uh, of this award. So, uh, congratulations there to Brody. Goaltender of the Year, one award that uh, we knew was going to spark a lot of debate. Uh, Dylan Ward wins the award. I think we both picked Rosie, knowing that Dylan Ward was probably going to win the award. Um, is this something that, you know, Mike Poulin is a runner-up, Nick Rose also is a runner-up here. Um, is this an award that Dylan Ward, we may see his name penciled in here or engraved, I guess, more so, uh, on the Goaltender of the Year Award almost, you know, annually here going forward? Yeah, it, it could be. You know, he's uh, younger than the other two there as well, um, so we have some more time. He was a runner-up last year, I believe, right? Yep. Um, you know, so he's, it's not his first time being in the conversation here. And, uh, yeah, his, his numbers were great this year. I thought, you know, we, we talked about it up until a certain point. Uh, I thought it was a two-horse race there, like with Rosie being involved. I think, you know, down the stretch maybe the numbers weren't exactly where Rosie would have liked them to be. But uh, overall, um, Dylan Ward, yeah, yeah, had a great year, and I'm sure they'll be fine competing with each other. Like, you know, good buddies played in Orangeville together, and um, if it's not one guy, I'm sure they'd be, you know, wishful it was the other. Now, when you talk about the goaltender, you mentioned, you know, you mentioned that uh, Dylan Ward was a runner-up last year. Evan Kirk wins the award. You know, Northman alumni. Mike Poulin eventually was a Northman alumni, started his uh, junior career in Kitchener. Um, and oddly enough, Evan Kirk finished his junior career in Kitchener. Um, Nick Rose and Dylan Ward, Northman, Northman. It, it, it's kind of incredible to think the number of goaltenders that one junior A organization has produced that are all currently still playing in the league, and that doesn't even factor in Brandon Miller into that equation as uh, as goalies that have come through the junior A system in, in Orangeville. So um, another big... Uh, 
hats off there, I guess. Uh, kudos to the Northman organization and uh, what they've done in, in terms of grooming and, and producing goaltenders out of their Junior A program. Um, on to the Rookie of the Year. There was no debate about who was going to win this award. Tom Schreiber wins the award. After that, Kyle Jackson of Rochester and the Rocks, Latrell Harris, finished as the runners-up. And again, kudos to the head coaches, GMs, executives for recognizing just what Latrell did as an 18 and eventually 19-year-old um, as he turned 19 in March during the season this year. But an incredible performance, just unbelievable at that age to play those types of minutes on a playoff team in this league and accomplish what he did. And and I think just amazing that he got that recognition as a finalist this year. Yeah, for sure. He was he was a beast out there. He definitely did not look his age. He looked like a, you know a seasoned veteran that's been been mm-hmm. play, playing in this league for a long time. Um, yeah, I agree. I think it was a no doubter though. Tom, you know, walked away with that one. Um, we always say like the stats are kind of like the sexy pick though for Kyle Jackson, yep. like right. And he had a good, he had a good year and he he became a big producer for Rochester. Um, but like to have two of the three candidates in there and the winner, like it kind of just shows to the overall make of the rock and where that team's going too, right? Like uh, yeah. they are young and they do have some great young talent here and it should be uh, should be good for them moving forward, of course. Most valuable player next on the list here as we go down them. Lyle Thompson wins the award. Mark Matthews and Corey Small finish as runners-up. Um, I think I, I I took Mark Matthews as the MVP. I can't remember. who did, Do you remember who I you said? I Matthews too. Yeah, so I mean... I really do think this was a coin toss, and obviously these guys finished one two in the voting. I don't think you go wrong with either one. No, for sure. That Georgia offense was, you know, for as prolific as they were, and it and it was all it was ran through Lyle, and uh, he, yeah. you know, he was he was the I guess the straw that stirred the drink there, and uh, you know he had a great great year, great playoff, and you know shows by the voting here. And hooked up with his brother Miles for the overtime winning championship goal. Uh, head coach of the year, the Les Bartley Award. Eddie Como of the Georgia Swarm wins the award. Derek Keenan and Jamie Batley finish as the runners up. And I guess maybe more notably um, in our world is the omission here, and that is of Toronto Rock head coach Matt Sawyer. Surprised that he wasn't one of the finalists? Yeah, I was for sure, considering where this team was, you know, a year ago and, and all the youth that was injected into the the roster there and to have the year that they had and you know go to the eastern finals and i thought it was a big turnaround and you know obviously he was he was a big part of that but i think i think you've mentioned it too it's kind of like it has the feeling like oh who's best in the east boom put their coach in who's best in the west put their coach in and you know the the voting shows that way whether that's true or not i i don't know but yeah i was a little surprised yeah, absolutely. And moving along quickly, we'll we'll run through these as quickly as we possibly can here. But the GM of the year, um, John Arlotta wins the award. Jamie Dowick, runner-up, as well as Derek Keenan. Um, this is one of those things that we don't want to come across as too biased on. But in all reality, if you're taking the current year as the sample size, I find it tough to give Arlotta the award this year simply because – this year was kind of the payoff of all of his work over the last few years of stockpiling all those draft picks, hitting on those draft picks. But if we're talking about just this season, I'm not sure. I mean, he does bring in Mike Poulin, you know what I mean? And, you know, there weren't a ton of tweaks make after it, that. Make a trade for um, Jordan Hall. Yeah, acquires Jordan Hall, gets through the injury of Jesse King, I guess, uh, as well. So a couple of very key pieces but i feel like a lot of that you know there's still a little bit of a backstory there a backfill on the whole thing of of just those other picks i mean obviously very deserving of the award it's just for me at the same time i say it's deserving i do kind of think that uh possibly mr dowick was uh in line for that award this year with the massive overhaul and the improvement from tied for last in the league to uh essentially a third place overall finish in the regular season and a first round playoff win but we know the 
playoffs don't count in these awards. So executive of the year, Amber Cox of the New England Black Wolves. Media person of the year, Jake Jumbo Elliott, who handles the play-by-play on TSM 1410 and NLL TV out in Vancouver. So congratulations uh, to Jumbo. And those are your 2017 award winners. So um, thanks for sticking with us through that discussion. We do have a couple of guests coming in studio here just momentarily. Jamie Dowick will kick things off. And then we will have Toronto Rock head coach Matt Sawyer join us as well. So we will take a short break here on Toronto Rock Total Access. And then the boss will be in studio with us to chat about the summer. Stay with us. Welcome back to Toronto Rock Total Access. I'm Mike Hancock along with Kyle Davis, and we now welcome into studio the Toronto Rock owner, president, and general manager, Jamie Dowick. Jamie, how are you doing? I'm good, guys. How are you? We're well. Long time no see. Yeah, it's been a while. Been about six weeks since we were last in studio together, and uh, a lot has happened in terms of the National Lacrosse League champion being crowned, uh, awards handed out. Uh, you signed Matty Sawyer to a contract extension, so lots of stuff we want to get to, uh, but let's start with uh, probably the most important thing around here, is, and that is Matt Sawyer's contract extension. Um, just talk us through a little bit uh, beyond what fans may have read in uh, your quotes in the uh, press release, uh, just a little bit more about how you came to the decision to bring Matty back on board here after a, a successful first season behind the bench. Yeah, well, first and foremost, I thought I thought Maddie did a really good job this year, and and when I signed Maddie to be the head coach last year, Maddie signed a one year contract, and while I had a lot of faith in him, um, you know, I kind of told Maddie that this is an opportunity. You know, I've, I've been around you a lot, and I've seen you do some things in in other leagues and this and that, but that's where we're going to start, and uh, and you know, obviously, you want to get some uh, um, continue continue. <laughs> Continuity. Thank you. Yes, you uh, with your coach and and your systems and all that stuff, and and to me, Maddie really proved himself, and um, you know he earned the right to uh, be back and continue to uh, drive the ship as far as the uh, head coach of the team goes. So um, I was excited to get it done, easy, quick. Um, you know, Maddie's the head coach, and and I'm happy about that. So would you say then, uh, and maybe not directly related to to Matty Sawyer here at all, but I guess looking back at this last season, did this team exceed your expectations and maybe how have those expectations changed, if at all, going forward here? Well, no, because my expectations are always to win. So, you know, we didn't achieve our ultimate goal. Um, having said that, I think the team made strides. I think we're back on, on, on in, heading in the right direction. Um, and I think Matt did a real good job on and off the floor managing the team. And, um, you know, ultimately I had said to Matt when he took the job originally that, you know, it wasn't going to come down to wins and losses. He didn't have to improve improve on our win. It wasn't going to be the deciding factor in whether he would be back or not. Um, obviously we had four more wins in the regular season and made it to the Eastern Final um this year but it was more about the direction of the team and where we were headed um so uh you know going into the season if you told me we were going to make it to the eastern final i i I, you know with a lot of uncertainty um we would have probably jumped on it but or you know the expectations kind of changed along the way during the year realistic expectations and and you know whatever happens the year before every year the goal is to win and if that isn't your goal then you need to probably get out of this business or or sports in general because you show me a good loser and i'll show you a loser (laughs) now the off season here you know the nll just released their their free agent list i guess you could say and i'm sure teams are you know obviously everyone's trying to improve their team how has that been from uh, the toronto rock standpoint without tipping your cap too much um, just what that's been like in the in the marketplace right now with players and you know trades or just anything about that nature. Yeah, well, it's it's. I mean, right now um, we're allowed to re-sign our our own free agents and speak. Well, trades are permitted now and able to speak to complete um, 
street free agents. So, you know, you're still not at the point here till I believe August 1st where we can actually go out and talk to free agents that were with other teams, etc. Um, you know, it's been a busy couple of weeks. We're watching lots of games between between the group, between myself. Josh has just spent a week out west watching some games out there. Our scouts are watching games. That's kind of our focus right now. Um, I'm trying to take. I'm taking care of a few uh, more in-house stuff. I'm I'm just kind of getting into that now. Actually, I've been you know on the road myself a little bit over the last little week, so I'm starting to sit down with some of our guys and get some of our guys signed before we approach this August first deadline, so that I kind of hopefully have most of that you know in place that I need to have in place, so we can focus on uh, you know who might become available or you know what we can do to improve the team. Now, without, uh, we're not going to talk specific to expansion, but this just popped into my head here just about how the summer progresses now, knowing that, you know, either, you know, in a year or two years or whatever it may end up being, that expansion could be coming down the pipe. How does that change how you're planning uh, in the off season and going season by season now? Well, you know, it doesn't change a lot. You got to always factor in. I mean, to be honest with you, I was... Uh, you know, looking ahead that that might be happening this off season, and we might be doing a dispersal draft, you know, very shortly. So, you know, I'm always thinking ahead. Um, you know, I do expect it. I, I do believe it's coming. Um, so, you know, you're ready for it, but I just think that's part of doing your job. you got to be ready for every situation, whether it be no expansion, expansion, you know, free agency whatever you got to be ready for everything and um you know i'm aware of what's going on here and and um, i'm factoring those things into some decisions sure when you look at free agency as well uh in other sports i think it plays a bigger role in roster building perhaps than it does in the national lacrosse league i don't know if you agree or disagree with that statement but i i just think some of that work that's done in the offseason in finding and or convincing a guy like Tom Schreiber to give the box game a try or, you know, going all the way back. We were talking about this earlier today in the office, you know, Creighton Reed, you know, coming out of almost nowhere and now having a pretty darn good National Lacrosse League career was here for a championship as well. But finding those guys, is that maybe more important than just looking who at, looking at who the free agents are every year? Well, I think it's more important. Yeah, because um you know, to me, you know, a team kind of controls a player in this league, and the reality is players, restricted free agents that you see jumping teams, um, you know, in my opinion, it's more about the team that had him doesn't want him than losing him to a better offer or a better this. Um, you know, sometimes could be, uh, you know, location and job, and, and, and those things factor in in our league, but... Uh, the reality is, um, you know, clubs hold most of the rights here, and if you want to retain a player, you you basically can retain a player. So, um, it, having said that, it's very tough to go out and get a very quality player off another team. You know, generally you're looking at more of the bottom end guys, and then looking at, you know, trying to let's, for lack of a better term, overpay their value to try and steal them out of a team. So. Um, you know, yeah, we we got lucky with a few guys: um, Tom Schreiber, Kieran McCardle, Reed Reinhold. Um, you know, three guys that were complete street free agents, um, not drafted, not t- attached to any team. Uh, um, you know, so. Well, this organization has had a, a very good history of finding those guys. I mean, you know, when I just started Creighton Reed, but then I started thinking about a guy like Aaron Pascus. George, who just kind of came in here for a year, won a championship, and and unfortunately didn't really have much of a career after that in the National Lacrosse League. But, you know, is there even some pressure even on the guys who now, like like yourself, like Josh Sanderson, who are responsible for finding those guys? Um, It must be getting harder and harder to to find those guys. Absolutely. I mean, if you think we're going to go out and find another Tom Schreiber this summer, please, people, you know, like, (laughs) we'll do our best. But, you know, it's just unrealistic, right? And, um, yeah, listen, that's a credit to the people that have been doing that. You know, T did a great job with our scouts, you know, back in, like, Pascus, Creighton, Reed. 
you know even brad hickey um you know uh, yes he was in the league but you know he he was basically let go couldn't Mm -hmm. play in in one on one team and you know has come in here and scored 50 and 45 goals so um yeah, those are those those are the ones, and those are the ones that feel real good when you hit them. I mean, they're kind of like they're kind of like uh, high high. You know, they they only if they work out great, and if yeah. they don't, you know, you took a chance and it didn't work out. But um, yeah, you got to explore everything, and you know, to think that uh, I, I'm sure to think that the league isn't exploring a lot of guys down in the states now because of what happened with Tom. I mean, we kind of. I think, you know, that one kind of came out of left field. I think to most people, and and I think most teams after seeing that success will be a lot more conscious of what's going on there and looking for that next guy, um, you know, which which is going to be a lot tougher than people think because, you know, I had this conversation the other day. Someone, I was away on the weekend, and someone asked me about Kieran McArdle, and my response was, listen, Kieran had a great year. He's never played box lacrosse before. If Tom Schreiber wasn't on our team this year, everyone would have said, Kieran, Kieran did a really good job, like first year playing box, you know, almost 20 goals, really got going and really progressed at times. You know, the, the problem for him was he came in with a guy in the same situation and, and – Tom did what he did, and Tom's just not that Kieran isn't, but Tom's just a very, very special lacrosse player, and and you know, for those of us that were around him this year, recognize you know the skill set, the talent, the the ability, the player, and and you know you won't. I'd be shocked if you see that again anytime soon. Like it's it really was. You know, I think we really one day we're really gonna look back at that and go, "Wow!" Like, yeah, was it what eighty six, ninety four points, and, n- and nine, now sorry, like ninety four points, Un- unbelievable. And that's an interesting thing here going into potentially year two of all of this is we talk about how a guy has to get better in that second year, regardless of whether they're eighteen, nineteen years old, like Latrell Harris, or if they are the twenty four, twenty five year old guy going into his second year. Um, do you think Tom's role is going to change a lot this coming season with Rob Hellier coming back in the lineup and, and just having the ball in his stick more? Oh, I can't wait to see that. <laughs> you know, <laughs> Terrible problem to have. Those, those two, those, those, I really look forward to watching those two uh, together. Uh, listen, Tom doesn't need to – Tom just needs to continue to do what he's doing. He'll, he'll – the ball, you know, the ball will fall a little more. I mean, he saw the floor so well, and he was such a setup guy. And having Robbie out there can only help him because it's just another threat for the defenses that they have. You know, there was times there at the end of the year where, you know, when you, you look at the Eastern Final, I mean, you know, Jason Noble took it on him. His job was Tom Schreiber, and, and Jason Noble, Defender of the Year, for those of us that have been around Jason and – he plays for Oakville in the summer. Um, not a lot of people know about him, but just an unbelievable defender all around, one-on-one athletic. And, you know, and, and you know, I noticed that in that series. So you add, you sprinkle in Robbie into that kind of mix, and it, and it really is going to change things and probably open things up for him a lot more because everyone was so scared of his speed and getting beat by him underneath. And now they're going to have to worry about Robbie, too. Um, not that they didn't have to worry about other guys, but guys that bring that speed element, you know, 100-point guy and Robbie and himself and, you know, another MVP candidate, in my opinion. So, um, yeah, it should, be, it should be pretty exciting. You mentioned the Oakville Rock there, big game tonight as we, we were teeing up here to start the show off. Uh, how important is it for you to be able to, to have a lot of your players you know, kind of playing for the Oakville Rock. You you got you can watch them all summer here, and uh, you know, still with Maddie to keep that uh, I guess that chemistry going all year round with a lot of the guys. And then secondly, how how closely do you keep like an eye on other guys on other teams and other leagues at West or or whatnot? Yeah, I mean that was the kind of the idea with me getting involved in the Oakville Rock was kind of like, you know, if my guys are going to be playing, it, it's the whole summer winter thing is very weird to begin with we could talk about that's a whole show in itself but the reality was for me it was 
if my guys are going to be playing in the summer, um, you know, I'd rather them playing under my, you know, supervision, my coaching. I don't want them going other places and developing bad habits and this and that. The reality is most of the guys on the Toronto Rock that are playing summer ball are playing here in Oakville. Um, you know, there's not that many of them. You know, there's a couple out west um, in Reed and Jordan. I think they're the only two out west. And then out east, you know, other than Oakville Rock, you're talking Dan Littner with Brooklyn, Caputo with Brampton. I believe Mikey McDonald just got traded to Brampton. Um, and then B. Miller and, and I guess Brody. Rob Marshall and Brody. Those three would that would would be in Six Nations. So there's not oh Turner and Peterborough as yeah. well. So one or one or two guys. Whereas on Oakville, there's about eight to ten of them. So uh, you know, obviously, I bump into the major guys all the time. You know, I'm watching a lot of games, following a lot of box scores. Uh, haven't seen a lot of West to be honest with you this summer, but. Um, I don't have a tough time staying up late at night. <laughs> <laughs> was there ever any, uh, ever any interest or thought of Schreiber, McArdle, Busick, any of those guys coming to play for the Oakville Rock this summer and playing, playing, yeah, playing I w- double duty? Uh, yeah, I would have liked I, would, I really wanted to get Connor up here because I thought it would have been really good for him. Um, you know, I'm not sure what – I haven't really spoken to him in a little while since he took on that new position at Cornell, so um, – not sure how that's going to play out uh, moving forward. I think that's going to probably be a pretty tough fit for him, unfortunately. Um, you know, I, I'd love them all to play. I think it, it would only do them good. Uh, they're busy guys. They got a, they got a full schedule. You know, they 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 punched a lot of air miles. I'm sure <laughs> over the winter, and, and they're doing that again in the summer playing fields. So, you know, it, it is a lot. Um, you know, so it, it, it was definitely talked about, but I think just more probably unrealistic. Did you see Busick's uh, 112 mile an hour shot at the? Uh, yeah, pretty impressive skills competition. Pretty impressive. <laughs> 112 mile. I was. So you haven't believed me when I saw that. I was thinking, wow, I'd like him to be shooting that one. And uh, yeah, it was good. Uh, you know what? They're all, all three of those guys are. Uh, doing great i mean you know tommy's almost leading his team again in points and he's five games less played yeah. or four i mean you know he's probably the mvp of that league again and will they give it to him missing a few games who knows but anyone that watches that league you know n- knows what a, what you know a talent he is and and definitely one of the best lacrosse players in the world, field, box, whatever it is. Um, you know, he, he's in that conversation. So, uh, Karen's, Karen's killing it as well. And him and Connor are both together in Florida, and, and they're doing both doing real well. And, uh, you know, I have to admit I'm following it a little more now, <laughs> you know, than I did yeah. in the past, even watching a few games that I really never really watched. Um, you know, I'm, I'm cheering for them. Pro- the Sheens are probably my team, <laughs> you know. Sheens. Hey, there you go, yeah, Tommy. Wa- <laughs> I'm a Sheens guy. <laughs> I watched the uh, MLL All Star game there on Saturday night, and uh, the commentator just couldn't stop calling them the Sheens. Oh, it's catchy. The it's catchy. I like it. I like it. <laughs> All right. Well, we also have to give some congratulations to you, runner up for general manager of the year. Um, you know, it's uh, you know John Arlotta obviously did a great job as well in Georgia and. Uh, He's the winner of that award, so uh, our congratulations uh, go out to John, but also to you uh, as runner-up of the uh, runner-up for the GM of the Year award. A complete team effort, you know, from all the people that I work with: Josh, you know, Dan, DJ, guys out west, uh, you know, coaching staff, team. If they don't perform, if they don't come in here and perform, guys like Tom and all 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 the things. I mean, it, it's all on them. I. I I get the recognition, but the reality is, you know, that's a reflection of the team and, and where we're headed, hopefully, in everyone else's eyes. And, and to me, that, you know, I kind of agree with them. So, uh, you know, congratulations to John and, and, and the Swarm on their championship. Um, you know, I picked, Sas- I picked Saskatchewan to win and hate uh, my words. What a crazy ending to the second game. I don't think we talked after that or we might have right after but uh 
you know, John's John's paid his dues in this league. And, you know, when I bought the team, I came in and got to taste it kind of right away. And we went to the final the first year and lost. And then we won the next year. So I get that ring really, you know, and I've been chasing it ever since. And, you know, John, on the other hand, you know, put in a good 10 years and, and, and some tough seasons there along the way. So, uh, you know, from that, I still take it away from him if it was going to me <laughs> but outside of that i uh you know very well deserved yeah. and uh you know he's managed to put together quite a group there and, and it's going to be a challenge for us moving forward because you know they're not going to get any worse than any you know they're they're in great position moving forward so uh only makes our job job harder but will only be that much reward um, that much more rewarding when we uh get to knock them off their throne <laughs> One last quick thing I want to touch on before you go. Uh, we kind of teased it a little bit, I think, in one of our last interviews that we did, and I, I don't know if we ever got to it, but um, your son, Josh, playing against Latrell <laughs> in Junior A, Toronto Beaches with your son, and uh, Latrell Harris with the St. Catharines A's. Did they ever ma- did they ever end up matching up on the floor at any point? Yeah, and, they uh, did a yeah. few times. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they had a few conversations out there, yeah. too. Yeah. Uh, it was fun to watch. It, it, it was good. I definitely, when I saw him sliding over on the yeah. floor a few times and seeing them get matched up, I'm thinking, Josh, keep your head up. You know, <laughs> you need to be aware of who's around you. Yeah. Funny, I, I, you know, another great Dylan Watson. Josh and I yeah. were away this weekend and we were coming home yesterday. He's telling me a story about Dylan Watson because <laughs> they were they're helping out at the rock camp and uh, obviously Bob Watson's son. And I guess. He got into a little situation with Latrell. <laughs> he was holding the ball at a timeout or something, and he didn't drop the ball, and Latrell didn't like it. And apparently, <laughs> he kind of came in and gave him a cross check, and Dylan went about ten feet in the air, and you know made a comment that he's never really uh, been hit like that before. <laughs> yeah. And uh, so, no, it was good. I mean, uh, yeah, one game left for all of them. Actually, fighting with Latrell here for the last yeah. spot, and uh, could come down to. Yeah, I mean, How St. Kitts does on Wednesday night against the Burlington Chiefs. Yeah, I'm kind of cheering for St. Catharines <laughs> to be out for lots of reasons. You know, obviously want to yeah. see the beaches go on. But, uh, yeah, you know, uh, Latrell getting some rest over over leading up to our season. You know, we're going to expect bigger and better things out of him this year. And, and I know that's, you know, once again going to be a challenge for him but i know he's up for it and uh he he's had a really solid summer too there there'll be another guy that you know i've got to see a little bit um uh, following the junior a kind of loop and i guess he'd be obviously our only guy playing junior right now yeah um but latrell's had a pretty solid summer you know just just a beast turnovers breakaways scoring lots of goals uh you know doing a good job what you expect out of him out there yeah, I had a chance to talk to Latrell the other day. Yeah, that's, yeah, he's, he's enjoying doing, his summer. He's, he's doing well. He's dialed into this playoff race, though. He gave me the full breakdown on the phone, and he he's they're they're dialed in. They're hoping they can pull this thing out this week for sure. Well, I hope he's wrong. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Jamie. Well, thanks a lot for joining us, and uh, I'm sure we'll have another summer update uh, coming along at some point in August, and uh, I'm sure we'll chat again then. So uh, enjoy the next month or so, and uh, hopefully the Oakville Rock can get on a little roll here. Yeah, I noticed you guys hadn't started with the renovations in here yet. I mean, it's been we six weeks, find, you know. We couldn't Could find. have at least put a sticker up on the wall or something. Couldn't find so. the hat. Oh, I no. know. Okay. Right. Yeah, okay. All right. Well, listen, uh, yeah, that's great. And, um, you know, we'll keep doing our thing, keep yeah. working away. And, and uh, you know, it's right around the corner. It'll be here before you know it. Yep. So, yeah. Uh, you know, lots of stuff, lots of stuff is going to be a busy time, kind of August 1st kind of starts it, and, you know, September will be here, and we'll be into a draft before you know it, and next thing you know, we'll be opening training camps. So, uh, you know, time to get to work. All right, thanks again for joining us, Jamie. We'll take a short break here on Toronto Rock Total Access, then we'll be back with Toronto Rock head coach Matt Sawyer in a moment. Welcome back to Toronto Rock Total Access. I'm Mike Hancock along with Kyle Davis. We now welcome into the beautiful studio Matt Sawyer, head coach of the Toronto Rock and the Oakville Rock. Matty, how are you doing? 
Doing good, boys. First of all, I want to say uh, congratulations on the contract extension, something that we uh, chatted a little bit with Jamie Dowick about when he was in the studio with us moments ago. I uh, just want to kind of get your side of it and uh, just, uh, I guess, being rewarded with a contract extension after a, a pretty successful season must also be, uh, you know, something that you're uh, personally, you know, pretty proud of and uh, happy that you were able to make those strides in your first year as head coach moving this team from 5 and 13 to 9 and 9 and obviously with the extension looking forward to what's ahead here yeah um you know obviously that's always uh, always the goal and it's just um you know it makes you feel good that uh, jamie and management uh, has confidence in uh, myself and the coaching staff to uh, to keep leading this team and uh, see if we can uh, continue to make the strides that we did in uh, in year one so it's um um, you know, it's, uh, it's, uh, satisfying and, um, but at the same point, um, you know, it's, uh, um, we were hoping to get that and, and expected to get that because we were confident in ourselves and, uh, we have our work cut out for us and, uh, we're on the right path here and it's our job to, uh, to lead the group and continue on that path. And how excited are you to just personally, I mean, you put in a lot of miles in this league as an assistant coach and in various roles in this league, you had a year in Boston in 2011 and then didn't get to see that into a second year because the team folded. Um, how excited are you personally now to, to move into a year two with a team where, you know, there is so much upside here? Yeah, well, uh, you know, it's great to be involved with a team that you know is going to be back the next year. So, um, <laughs> you know, uh, uh, Boston, it, uh, you know, we all knew the situation when we went in there and um, that it uh, was something where we we're going to have to hit a home run there to maybe see the team uh, survive another year. And unfortunately, that didn't work out. But it's, uh, you know, personally, it's, uh, it's satisfying because, um, as you mentioned, you've, uh, uh, you know, you put a lot of time in and, and um, it's good to uh, good to be rewarded and, and nice to know that there's people that uh, recognize the work you've been doing. And it's certainly not, um, you know, me doing it by myself. I uh, um, you know, I have a lot of good people that you're, uh, um, you try to surround yourself with and, and I have a lot of help there uh, guiding the team and coaching the team. And, and um, you know, so from that standpoint, it's uh, again, it's a, a big thank you to Jamie and the Toronto Rock for uh, for having the faith in us that we're the right group. Now, as we look forward and, and to what's going on right now, even in the summer, lacrosse is a bit of a unique sport where you've got a professional league that plays throughout the bulk of the winter months and, you know, training camp previously starting in December and a regular season that started in January and the season that runs till now, the middle of June. But then you've got a league of a lot of the same players that then go ahead and play in the summer. Something very different. It's not like the NHL players go play in another league all summer to continue to develop and, and get better. Um, that is the situation in here. A lot of the guys that you coach in the winter are also playing for the Oakville Rock. Um, what are you seeing as some of the, the growth, I guess, in some of the guys that are here in Oakville that uh, also play for the Toronto Rock? Are there any guys in particular that have already kind of started to jump off the page and start to take those strides that you wanted to see them take in the offseason? Yeah, um, you know, I don't know if there's uh, anyone in, in particular. What you're hoping to see is that, uh, you know, that um, it's just the nature of our sport. And, and um, you know, these guys, uh, they love to play lacrosse. And, uh, um, you know, summer ball still uh, still means a lot to uh, um, to um, a, a bunch of them. I'd say about uh, three-quarters of our lineup is playing uh, either here in the east or or the west and um so what you're looking for is that uh, just you know they they continue uh, their progression and um you know it's always good to keep your stick in your hand and and uh, to be thinking the game and playing the game and um you know big believer that it uh, you know help out uh, the uh, the following winter and, and rolling into training camp now having said that um you know there's uh, some guys that got a lot of mileage on them so um, you know, it's uh, it's understandable that uh, the guys that do want the summer off, but uh, from the guys that are playing, you just uh, want to see them keep progressing, not take any step back, uh, steps back. And um, you know, we have a lot of the same philosophies here in uh, in Oakville that we do in Toronto. So it uh, it kind of goes hand in hand, and it's also an opportunity for some of the younger guys, um, be it if they're playing here in Oakville or or elsewhere in the MSL or WLA, to. Uh, um, you know, we, we talk to them in our exit meetings and, and they know what we want to see from them uh, as far as uh, summer ball goals goes and rolling into camp. So it's, a, it's an opportunity for them to improve and, and uh, to make some strides and, and it's only going to make them better uh, the following year. With having, uh, you know, so many players from the Toronto Rock playing for, for yourself here in Oakville, how has your strategy changed or, or some of the messaging maybe so it doesn't just become 
for those individuals just repetitive and like the same old uh i guess messaging and maybe necessarily to to avoid it from falling on deaf ears eventually yeah well i think as a coach you're always um you know you're always trying to keep it fresh right but uh um, you know, a lot of times the, uh, the message is the same. Um, ultimately, uh, um, you know, you don't vary too much from your principles or philosophies. It's, it's how you deliver it, and that's the, um, you know, that's the way that uh, any good coach can uh, try to keep, uh, uh, keep a player's ear or whatever you want to call it. And, um, you know, the, the best uh, that are around, you see it, um, you know, uh, again, you don't, they don't change from, uh, from year to year, but the way they deliver the message might, uh, might be a little bit different. So uh, that's definitely one of the challenges. Uh, as a coach and um, you know the best ones that uh, that can do it year after year is, uh, is certainly um, um, you know something that uh, that is, can be difficult at times so you got to keep things fresh that's for sure and and uh, like I said you know you, you have a lot of your players here but how often do you without playing like you know you play Six Nations you'll play Peterborough see Turner and whatnot but how often do you keep tabs on players check up on players like even playing in the west that you maybe don't see uh, as often as you're seeing your individuals here at Oakville? Yeah, I certainly uh, follow them uh, a lot. And, um, you know, it's not something where I'm uh, touching base with them every uh, week or two weeks um, through, uh, through a text or a phone call. Um, you know, it's also important to, to give guys some, some, uh, some space. Again, we had our exit meetings and, and um, you know, we said what we wanted to say there as far as uh, expectations for the summer and, and coming into camp. And, um, you know, you let them uh, breathe a little and, uh, and uh, everybody uh, has their own life outside of lacrosse. So um, from that standpoint, I think it's good to, uh, to give guys a break, but uh, certainly following what they do both in the MSL and WLA. And, um, you know, later on in the summer, uh, um, you know, mid-August uh, mid or so, I'm sure we'll, we'll touch base with them and, um, you know, we'll lay out our plans uh, rolling into training camp. And, and again, expectations uh, uh, coming into camp. And a lot of that is uh, physical conditioning. And, uh, you know, we'll rely on Sean Holmes there and, and we'll set up a program uh, uh, for the boys, um, you know, I'm sure the most of them will start ramping it up uh, uh, about six weeks before camp, and um, you know the expectations will be real high. But uh, the good thing is you're dealing with professionals here, and, and we have a group of guys that are that are hungry and they want to get better, um, you know, from year to year. So um, truth be told, a lot of it is is up to them, and, and you try to uh, identify the right individuals, which we feel we have. So um, there's not a lot of concern from that standpoint, and. Uh, um, you know, we'll, uh, uh, they'll, they'll do their work over the summer quite confident in that. Now with, you talk about some communication with the players, but what about throughout your coaching staff? I mean, you and Josh Sanderson working closely together with the Oakville Rock as he's the general manager, you're the head coach, but with the rest of the coaching staff, I mean, Brucey Codd kind of goes his, his separate way in terms of away from the Oakville Rock in terms of coaching the Orangeville Junior Bs and Blaine Manning, uh, to the best of my knowledge, isn't doing any coaching in the summer. So what is the communication like throughout the months of kind of July and August leading up to getting ready for the draft in, in September? Yeah, well, we, um, you know, we, we touch base and obviously uh, I see Josh a lot more than I w would um, uh, Blaine, for instance, and, uh, and run into Brucey and uh, in, in Orangeville as well. But, um, you know, we, uh, we touch base and uh, again, uh, everybody has a life outside of lacrosse. So, uh, um, you know, you mentioned Bruce, he's coaching the Junior Bs in, in Orangeville and, and I be believe Blaine is coaching, uh, I want to say it's the paperweight team oh, here okay. in, uh, in Oakville right. so um, you know he's got um, uh, a couple of, uh, of kids involved in lacrosse so everybody's still uh, involved with the game and um, you know we uh, um, we stay in touch and um, you know we'll uh, again we'll sit down and have some more formal meetings here in, uh, in a month or so. And we talked to Jamie a little bit about this too and just the importance now of uh, you know the free agent list is out there but it seems like the off-season wins a lot of times maybe come from uncovering those diamonds in the rough more so than grabbing a free agent here and there. We talked about all the way back to guys like Creighton Reed and Aaron Paskis here back at the start of uh, Jamie's reign kind of in Oakville or sorry in Toronto and then also you know as recently as the you know the pile of guys really that came in last year in terms of Schreiber, McArdle, Busick, uh, Reinhold, Caputo, Mikey McDonald, you know, you can go on and on there, the number of guys that came in uh, here last year that were kind of, uh, some were free agents, but other guys that were kind of found, uh, 
you know, as those diamonds in the rough. But uh, just talk about maybe the importance of that and um, probably tough to hit that many home runs uh, two years in a row. Yeah, uh, you know, our, our uh, management uh, did a heck of a job last year. You mentioned, uh, um, I think, five or six guys there, and you also uh, add the uh, the three draft picks that we, uh, mm-hmm. that we had and played uh, – uh, every game for us, uh, save for the one that Jordan uh, Magnuson missed. But uh, you know, I, I think every organization and um, you know that they have a list, and it's not uh, um, you're just not watching uh, one summer of uh, of lacrosse. You uh, you know you make a list or mental notes of some players that you see along the way. And you know, Phil Caputo was a great example of that. He was somebody that uh, um, that we were hoping to draft when he was drafted, and uh, you know, we just missed out on him. And and um, you know, but we followed him uh, for a couple more years or, or I, I guess one more year and and it just came up the opportunity he's a free agent and, and we look to sign him so uh we have guys on lists that we're watching and we're monitoring and and you either watch them in person or uh if they're out in the uh, wla you try to watch as much video as you can um so you know that's uh, something that is always uh, fluid and ongoing but um you know, it's real important. I feel it's important that you add some new blood to the team uh, each and every year, um, even if you are a successful team. And, um, you know, we'll have our work cut out to uh, try to uh, duplicate what we did last year. I don't know if that uh, that would be possible, but you're always looking to uh, to find a player or two that can, um, you know, push players in camp and, and hopefully take a spot because if they're taking a spot, it's making your team better. Speaking specifically about Kabuto, I mean, you have to like what he's been doing so far this summer in Brampton for sure. Yeah, Phil's, um, you know, Phil's uh, had a heck of a summer. I haven't checked the, uh, uh, the standings here this week, but, you know, as of last week, uh, Danny Lintner was leading the league in, uh, in goals, and, and he was followed by uh, Phil. So um, the two of them are, are having a real good summer as far as putting the ball in the net, and, and Phil's in a situation there where he's, um, you know, he's on a team where you got to go out and, and earn everything you get. So it's, uh, it's nice to see him having the summer that he is, and, and I'm sure everybody's aware of that because, uh, you know, ultimately Phil is uh, a free agent. All right, Matty. Well, a big one coming up uh, against the uh, Coburg Kodiaks here, the old Phil Rock. Uh, we'll say stumbled a little bit last week, but so did the Peterborough Lakers against uh, a red-hot goaltender in Kevin Croswell. Uh, by the time people are hearing this, they'll know the result of tonight's game. But uh, to speak more generally, what do you see for uh, this Oakville Rock team down the stretch here? Well, we um, you know we need to get back to uh, to um, being what we are, and uh, we got exactly what we deserved last Thursday night. You're talking about the stumble. Um, you know, we did not uh, uh, deserve that win, and and uh, Coburg um, did. I think uh, we took them a little bit lightly, and I'm sure we've uh, we've learned their lesson. Um, you know, they're uh, they're a team that if you don't uh, show up and you don't work and you just take things for granted, you're going to get the result that we did. So, um, you know, we have to get back to. Uh, to being a team that doesn't get outworked and um you know even at that we're in tough some nights so uh you know we need to start to string some wins together and getting our game together and uh secure a playoff spot and and uh hope to roll into the playoffs on uh, um you know feeling good about ourselves and see if we can make some noise now last year um you know i think it was last year yeah the last couple of years you played peterborough in the playoffs right and um you know, matching up against either Peterborough or Six Nations in the first round looks like it's probably going to be uh, one or the other again. Um, what do you see? You know, you, you talk about making noise. What, what I guess, constitutes making noise for this Oakville team at this point, given though, given that you guys had a little bit of success last year? And, uh, you know, is it pushing them further in that series? Is it winning the series? What, I guess, constitutes making some noise in your mind? Well, um, you know, you mentioned we played Peterborough the last two years, and uh, two years ago we lost in five games, and last year um, it was a close-fought series, and uh, and we bowed out in six, and, and we thought uh, um, they were getting really close to uh, to the top teams there, and um, you know, making some noise, as you put it, would be uh, um, would be going out and winning a playoff series. This uh, this franchise has not won a playoff series, and uh, the last two years have been the first two years that we've made the playoffs, so we've kind of taken that step, and the the next step would be knocking off uh, uh, one of the uh, one of the big boys in there uh, in this league is certainly Six Nations and, and Peterborough and and you're right we're um, you know we're not likely to be able to climb up to the second spot so um, if we are able to get into the playoffs we're going to be facing one of them in the first round and um, you know we know what we'll be up against and uh, it's uh, it's time for us to uh, to knock them off. 
All right. Well, there you have it. Well, hopefully uh, we're going to probably do another little summer roundup here in about a month's time, and uh, hopefully we're still talking uh, about the Oakville Rock playing lacrosse here. Yeah, that would be good. It would be first round of the playoffs, I think, for a month from now. Well, maybe we'll do this on, like, August 20th and hope that we're still talking. All right. I'll be here. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Matty Sawyer, head coach of the Toronto Rock, thanks a lot for uh, stopping by. And, uh, like I said, we'll chat again soon. Thanks, guys. All right. That was Matt Sawyer, head coach of the Toronto Rock. We'll take a short break here on Toronto Rock Total Access, and we'll be back to wrap things up in a moment. Welcome back to Toronto Rock Total Access. I am Mike Hancock along with Kyle Davis. We are wrapping up our uh, summer update number one podcast here uh, on Toronto Rock Total Access. We're going to uh, talk a little bit more about just what's going to go on in the offseason or what we maybe foresee going on in the offseason. We are going to do a little buying and selling as well here in a couple of moments. But uh, as we touched on briefly uh, numerous times, I guess, throughout uh, this podcast is that the National Lacrosse League released the list of restricted free agents, potential restricted free agents, and UFAs. So um, there's a ton of names out there. A lot can change here over the next couple of weeks with guys resigning with their teams. And also, uh, you know, the franchise tag, those will be used or not used here by the end of July as well. Uh, that has to be done. So there are some teams that you look at and say, wow, that guy's a UFA. And then in a couple of weeks, you're going to say, oh, so-and-so franchised him and he's off the table. So um, one team that potentially has a lot of work to do here and has a very long list of unrestricted free agents and only one franchise tag to use um, as everybody has only one franchise tag to use, the Vancouver Stealth guys like Garrett Billings, Reese Dutch, um, you know Corey Small. The the list kind of goes on and on. There are a lot of key players, unrestricted free agents in Vancouver, and you have to wonder if all of those guys land back there. And another one I wanted to throw out just uh, with the New England Black Wolves and the fact they've used their franchise tag on Sean Evans, as he is already uh, their franchise player. And they've got Evan Kirk, the backbone of their goaltending situation as a UFA, and perhaps some teams shopping for goaltenders here in the offseason. So um, I don't know if there's anything that jumps out to you or if that's kind of the same thing that's on your radar, but uh, any uh, any comments on uh, the free agent lists that are out there? Yeah, no, those are, those, those are the two that kind of caught my eye as well when looking at the list here. <coughs> Excuse me with Vancouver there that's a lot of a lot of firepower up front there that's you know unrestricted free agent there and you look at the season small had and it kind of feels like Dutch is the kind of the guy there though in a way he's been out west there for them but uh it'll be interesting to see them and yeah Evan Kirk that would really put New England in a jam if they uh you know can't can't find a way to sign him but you'd think a team that comes to mind would maybe be like Buffalo be looking at it. like I don't know what Cosmos plans are I just know he's getting a little older they kind of were doing uh you know the carousel last year in net and I mean a guy like Kirk could solidify that position for you I, I mean I, I don't know I'm just hypothetically thinking of of teams here but uh yeah it's gonna be interesting to watch how that all unfolds well in the Buffalo situation I mean with with Anthony Cosmo he you know, there were several articles published towards the end of the season uh, in the Buffalo News, written by Bob, Bud Bailey, talking just about how, you know, you know, you don't want to say he strongly hinted about retirement, but he did yeah. kind of say that this could be it, kind of thing. So um, that's one scenario and one situation to obviously keep a close eye on. Uh, back to what's going on at home, the Toronto Rock. Uh, we'll quickly run down the list here. The restricted free agents, Paul Rabel is a restricted free agent. Potential restricted free agent, just one, Damon Edwards, and that means that Damon would become a restricted free agent if the Rock don't re-sign or at the very least qualify him by the end of the month, that being July. Unrestricted free agents uh, that would hit the open market on August the 1st potentially could be Casey Beeren, Sandy Chapman, Jeff Gilbert, Rob Marshall, Patty Merrill, and Brandon Miller. So a pretty... Um, significant list of veteran players there that could become UFAs uh, come August the 1st. So, um, 
some work to be done by all general managers around the league, really. Uh, lots of names out there, lots of guys that need contracts, and um, those need to be sewn up in some cases before August 1st. And then once that day hits, then, uh, you know, we, we could see some players shuffling around. But um, we've talked kind of a little bit about the importance of free agency, and maybe we've downplayed it a bit here as the show's gone on. But that could also lead us into some of our topics here on buying and selling. So let's get started with that. First off, right off the top, KD, are you buying or selling that the Georgia Swarm repeat as champions in 2018 and we see the beginning of yet another NLL dynasty? I'm uh, I'm going to sell on that. I, I think they're a great squad. And, I mean, recent history in this league shows, too, it's kind of like you win one, you're with Rochester and Skeshaw, you're almost guaranteed the second one. Like, yep. um, but, but going back to back. But uh, I just, just simply odds taking the field. I think Saskatchewan will be be back in, as a threat. I think Toronto's going to improve as well, making the East harder to go through. Um, every team's trying to improve, but uh, I, I'm going to sell uh, that they're going to they're going to repeat, even though they are a, a great squad. All right, moving right along, the Toronto Rock acquire that premier lefty that we've been talking about here for months. I am going to buy that. I think that is. I mean, an area of an area that could be upgraded potentially um, when looking at the roster. You know, you got the right side if you know Hickey, Hellierback, Schreiber. That's pretty, pr- pretty stacked to be mm-hmm. honest. Um, if, if you could do something on the left side, I think that would that would really help. Um, I don't know what's available or you know, kind of who's who's out there. But if you if you were in a talk, I think you would do. You know, you should or at least exhaust all options in terms of, uh, you know, what you have available to make a make a play for for a trade. Or, I mean, I don't know how the free agent stuff's going to shake out, but I do think there will be uh, a lefty inserted into the lineup. And finally, uh, the Toronto Rocker without a first-round pick this year, as a couple of years back, they traded Ethan O'Connor and a first-round pick to the Georgia Swarm to acquire Brock Sorensen. And that first-round pick happens to be in this year's draft. So, um, you know, are you buying or selling that the Toronto Rock will acquire a first-round pick for this upcoming draft? Uh, I'm going to sell that. I don't think they they will. Uh, you mean, we've talked about it here. You look at kind of the, the route they, did, they went last year and finding these so-called diamonds in the rough or, or, or whatnot and in Reed Reinhold or Caputo or Schreiber and... Um, as well, couple that with last year, I think they, the draft, they knocked the draft out of the park with getting, you know, Challen, finding Latrell, Magnuson. Um, they have a good young core. I don't think the urgency is there to have to go out and find a first-round pick, uh, you know, because you, because you need one. Obviously, everyone would want one, but uh, I, I don't think they're going to go out and do that. Uh, so I'm going to sell acquiring a first-round pick. All right, there you go. Our summer edition of buying or selling as uh, KD does a little bit of both, a little buying and a little selling. So um, that'll just about wrap up this uh, summer edition of Toronto Rock Total Access. Uh, KD, though, why don't you update us? I know uh, we're going to be at a couple of events and whatnot over the summer and uh, season tickets, season pass, all that kind of stuff on sale. So why don't you update us there? What's going on? Yeah, for sure. We've got a busy, busy stretch coming up here. We'll be down at the... Uh, the Honda Indy in Toronto there this weekend. We got the uh, Oella qualifiers coming up, uh, a couple other events, final six, touch up some minor lacrosse events. Um, so it should be good. It's good to get you know out there in the city this weekend in Toronto. I know all all the other sports teams are there. So uh, come on out and you know stop by the tent or the booth or the activation there and take a couple shots on whipper if you want there are you going to be there this weekend i will be there saturday you are going to be there well there you go so you you can can pop by and visit say hello chat about the podcast and uh (laughs) as well we have season tickets on sale that you know after last year there's been good momentum in the off season here Uh, a lot of a lot of a good seat available that uh, if you want to call us our an account executive would be more than happy to uh, you know kind of discuss that same great benefits you, you don't want to miss out on that ticket exchange the extra vouchers first playoff game free um, you really can't go wrong for the price uh, give us a shout 416-596-3075 and we'll be more than happy to to help you out with that as well all right, so they're having an update on uh, everything going on in and around the Toronto Rock here and like we said we'll 
likely be doing another one of these uh, probably in a month or so's time. Uh, maybe we'll have to do it a little bit later, maybe five weeks down the road, so that we're hoping that the Oakville Rock have moved into the second round, a.k.a. the Ontario Finals, uh, would be that scenario as per head coach Matt Sawyer. So that will about wrap things up. Uh, KD, thanks a lot. Great show today. Yeah, no problem. It was good to be back. Uh, you know, I thought we, we found it after <laughs> found a little stumbly at the start there. Right. Myself personally, I thought, wow. thought you were great. Report card time. Yeah. Here. All right. <laughs> All right. Well, in the meantime and in between time, that is it. Another edition of Toronto Rock Total Access is over and done with in the bag. I am Mike Hancock saying we will chat again in August. Stop the rock, can't stop the rock, can't stop the rock.